0: Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. Today's guest really got his big start back in 1999. It was a huge year for him. He started his marketing career in radio advertising and launched an online boat RV dealership with his brother and father. He leveraged internet marketing to grow the boat and RV business to over 15 million in annual sales in three stores. In 2017, Matt started his agency, driven media solutions to help other businesses capitalize on digital marketing. Matt has built DMS into an agency that focused solely on restaurants. Matt authored Don't 86 Your Restaurant Sales in 2018, and it's been a hit worldwide. Matt is currently finishing up his second book, Put Butts in Your Seats to Show Business Owners Eight Tactics to Build a Database and Drive Sales. Please welcome to the show, Matt Plapp. What's going on? Thank you, Tony. Wow, man, what an impressive resume. If I I was looking at it, I'm like, I think you should be the one running the show. And I'm going to just try to take a bunch of cliff notes today. So I'm glad I got to be asking a lot of questions. We met in a really unique way. I held a opportunity for a a dinner for some people in Nashville and you showed up as a guest and just kind of getting to watch you and signed up for some of your marketing online and I get to see kind of this marketing coming full force in, in 2019. I just want to say it's an honor to have you here today and I'm going to learn and I think the audience is going to learn a lot just about kind of how you've done so much and how you continue to uh, innovate in this day and age. Cool. I appreciate it. I look forward to talking. Question for you out the gate is what is your definition of success?
1: So even though I knew I was being asked that and I've been asked it before and I've actually wrote it down myself, I still haven't found the answer because part of me is having the admiration of people that look up to me, having people that see that I'm doing the right things. And it's like one of my goals right now is to become a better husband and father because too many times we, we focus success on money and including myself. And I look at a couple good friends of mine who aren't wealthy but they are very successful. They're amazing fathers, amazing Christian men, amazing husbands. I think for me it's just to be able to look back and see you know, have my kids in 20, 30, 40 years and friends of mine know that you know I was always there to help them out and they admired me. So I guess that's it be admiration of the ones that love me.
0: I like that. Thank you very much for sharing that. And I love the fact that you've been asked that question because I think a lot of times people in life I've had people panic when they get asked this question. They're like, uh, "I don't know how to answer it." But I love the fact that you said a couple things. You know, I thought about it. I've written it down, and I've been asked that question. That means I'm on the right path, and it's good just to have the conversation because I think what a great thing to strive for is how to be a better husband, a man of faith, and how you can be a better father. Is something that you're constantly thinking about. That's called improvement, and I think that's if you go look at just what I see in your bio it's talking a lot about how you've been able to iterate and just kind of like keep building on top of things and never quit. I think that's a positive outlook that I received the night of meeting you is just you're like, all right, I don't know it, but I'll go figure it out. Yeah.
1: I think too many times people associate success with money and you can look at the news every day and see there's a lot of rich people doing stupid crap and in jail. So there's a lot more to it.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Love, you know, what kind of family you came from. And I always ask a question to think about this in the back of your mind about your education, what kind of student you were growing up. I'd love to know that because it helps kind of paint a bigger picture that we'll get to at the end.
1: Oh, gosh, that's a whole other story. So, I was fortunate that I was brought up in the family of an entrepreneur. My dad and mom, and I say both of them because they did, they both owned an insurance agency my whole life growing up till, I guess, 89. My dad got out of the business because of diabetes and needed to get healthy. My mom took over the business and ran it for about five or six years after that. And then she eventually sold it, got out of it. But, a lot of what I do today, the fact that it, it doesn't bother me to, to work 10-hour weeks or 100-hour weeks is because I watched my parents do it, and I watched them never work for anybody. And so that was – that's one thing I think is ingrained in me is I, I'm, I'm what I call unemployable, that I don't think I'm – one, I could never pass a, uh, any kind of manual. Like people say, oh, you got to run for office. I'm like, dude, you thought know, Trump gets beat up. I mean I, I don't know what I would get. I'd be a fit ringer. I I couldn't pass an employment manual. I couldn't be a boss in that manner. And I think a lot of it just comes from seeing my mom and dad do their thing and see them hustle. And what resonated with me, with you, was that event you held, my dad's been doing that since the 70s. And when I walked in and saw it, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in the room. Whoever organized this is the right person. Just because a lot of people don't get that. They don't get the fact of creating relationships like that and creating relationships in a different manner. And there's not always a handout when somebody is there to do business with you. It's like, hey, somebody putting something in somebody's hand versus taking out of their hand. My upbringing was around that. My dad was a scoutmaster. So I was in Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. I was in Scouts up until my senior in high school. I grew up playing sports, baseball. I'm pretty well-rounded. I can snow ski. I can snowboard. I can water ski. I can golf. I play baseball, basketball, football. When I get off the call here, I'm going to a park. I'm actually at a gym that I own right now. I'm going to go down the street, play basketball 45 minutes, come back, do a CrossFit class for an hour, then go home and go to my son's football meeting. So I grew up doing that. Always been outdoors. Probably one of the coolest things I ever did, which makes me think back to how I need to be a better father, is that when I was in eighth grade, my dad won a trip to California, number one salesman in the country for an insur- for a brand of insurance product he sold. And so he was invited to California, all expenses paid trip, Palm Springs golf course hotel, fancy as can be. Everybody else took their husband. There was husband and wife, flew out there, got hammered. My dad took us out of school for three weeks, and we tent camped from Kentucky to California for seven days, stayed in this posh hotel, and then tent camped on the way back. And I remember looking back, like, why did you do this? Like, I wanted you guys to enjoy it. I knew I could afford to take you guys, and I didn't want to be out. I wanted to go enjoy this event in California with my family, not me and your mom and a bunch of strangers. I wanted to go out there and enjoy it. And so time we had doing that camp. I would camped in 41 states by the time I was 16. That was fun. So that says a lot about me. So I was the worst student until my freshman year in high school. And the reason I say that was my mom was president of the school board for our school district my entire life. And so I thought, I was, I'll, I'll say this, I was a rich kid. My dad in the 80s was making a half million dollars a year. So you can know that's good back then. Good now. We had seven cars growing up. We had everything. We, we, he did, we, were, we were like rich hillbillies, I guess you could say. My dad always did well, but we always had a good time. And growing up, I was a little piece of crap. I played sports. My dad was the coach on all the teams. If I did something wrong, his rule was you do it once, you're good. You do it twice, you got a problem. You do something wrong. And so I was always on the borderline of a good student, bad student. I was always in the principal's office. But my mom was president of school board, so nothing really ever happened. And when I got to my freshman year in high school, my dad bought a Jeep and put it in the garage. And he's like, and it was badass. Red Jeep, big tires. And he goes, that's yours. As long as you have a 3.5 GPA within the next six months, and you never I never hear your name called again. And he he and he had told me my brother was the opposite. My brother was the perfect student, didn't need to be bribed. And at that point I was a perfect student. And it was just the fact that I think I had probably been too spoiled growing up and given too much of what I what I wanted. And when it got to a point where there was something I really wanted to drive, that was what did it. And at that point it changed me. I was a great student. Never got in trouble in school again. Never had a bad grade again. And I look back and I'm like, wow, it took that, but sometimes I guess different strokes for different folks. So I was a bad student to that point. And probably the funniest stories though, that my dad, my dad tells these stories a lot. Him and I do a, a feature every week called fire with my dad, where I interview my dad on my Facebook page every week at some point, And we talk about sales and he always tells stories when I was a kid, because when I was a kid, I got in trouble about every two or three months from school for selling something in school. <laughs> and the one time my buddy Pete Townsend's mom was a candy rep and she had unlimited candy. So I convinced Pete to get the samples and him and I would sell candy out of the lockers. Well, then it came to the school's attention that we were making like two, 300 bucks a week in like seventh grade and selling candy. And we were causing problems with gum all over the place. And they had to call us into the principal's office. And then the next time I came in, this was the best one ever. I remember this one, it was yesterday. And my mom, they always knew when things happened before me because she was president of the school board. And it was like, my mom was like, how is it that you're always in trouble? That makes me look like an idiot. And I'm like, sorry, I'm in trouble again. And my dad would always crack up because a lot of what I was in trouble for was little stupid stuff. So this one, I had a teacher that every week, every day, you had to bring a current event to a current event, political science class. Eighth grade, you had to bring a current events article. Well, I noticed that if you didn't bring it, you got a off offer. You got detention. Well, I noticed a lot of kids always forgot it. So I had my dad agree to get subscriptions to every newspaper. And every night, I would take the articles from the prior day's papers. I'd take 50 articles to school the next day, sell them for a quarter a pop. And I was making pretty good money. And about a month later, they realized what was happening. The principal calls my parents and like, Matt is selling these things. like, is that against the rules? He's like, well, they're supposed to bring their own. Well, hey, it's not his fault. He knows they're not going to bring it and sells it to him in the parking lot before school. So I guess I was what you would call today's drug dealer back then, but selling things that people needed for to not get in trouble in school.
0: Yeah. What's the old saying? See a need, fill a need. You found an opportunity and you made money doing it. You know, it's crazy. You're telling a little bit about your story, mom being on the school board. You know, I grew up with my mom being either at the school I was going to be transitioning into or she was in the school district. So there was phones back in the day when I went to school and those phones would get a, a buzz and it'd be like, hey, this is Mr. Ron Poler." Oh hey, Barbara, how you doing? Your kid's in the principal's office again. What would you like me to do with them, right? And my mom was like, "Hey, it's up to you. You do whatever." Uh, My mom always made a deal never to be at the same school I was going to. She would she would (laughs) leave. uh... I was going eighth grade and going to go to a new school. She would leave. I love I love the fact that your dad though didn't get mad at you but encouraged you. And I and I and I say that because you've said a couple times these stories show up about you getting creative and some parents would say, Hey Matt, you can't do that again. Sorry, you just can't sell, but I call it the right way. You did, you, you were a hustler as a young entrepreneur trying to figure out kind of the game called life. And that was something you decided to do to make some extra coin. You also talked about being unemployable, right? You talked about, man, it'd be really hard for me to go and get a job. What's a skill that makes you draw yourself that conclusion that it would be hard to employ you? Wow. So I, I'd say
1: the reason it would be hard for somebody to employ me would be not necessarily a skill, but just that my experience with people in corporate America or in companies that have structure is they got there for the wrong reasons. Like I know a lot of people in the car, the car business. Every one of them that's a GM didn't get to be a GM because they had a clue how to run a car dealership. They got there because they worked in the car dealership for 20 years and they were a good enough bullcrapper on the way up to become something. And I guess I'll tie it to this story. I, I had a short period for about six months where I had a consulting, I guess about a year, I had a contract with a, a big media company where I was working within their organization as well as having my agency. Started my agency in 2007. I think you said, Mike said 17 on accident earlier, but started in 2007. Well, in 2009, I had a chance, and I probably wrote it down wrong, to do both. And I did it. Well, I'm in this meeting, and this guy starts tearing into everybody in the business, in the room, about how cash flow. And this is, this is exactly why I'm unemployable. And at this point, I had, prior to that, I had 10 years I owned the boat and RV dealership. And I knew what it was like to wake up on a Friday morning knowing that my sales guys said we were going to have $500,000 coming in that week in sales. And I spent four hundred, dollars but only three hundred dollars came in. So I know cash flow really well. I know what it's like to sleep on a sofa and know, okay, do I have enough money to make payroll tomorrow because we didn't get the money? Well, this guy, Joe, is in this meeting and he's screaming at everybody about cash flow. I said, dude, sit out. He's the director of sales for this company. I'm like, sit down. You have you have no clue about cash flow. Excuse me. And nobody ever talked back to him. He's what are you talking about? I said, dude, I heard out of Texas, there it's publicly traded. You don't sign a check. And so you telling us about cash flow is like me telling you about how to dunk a basketball. I can barely make a layup. And he's like, What do you know? And I, I told him the story, well, I know what it's like to have 400 grand needs to be in in five days, and 250 comes in and you spent 375. Where do you find that 125 grand cash flow? I understand it. So that's one of the reasons I say I'm unemployable is that. I would have a hard time relating to a lot of those people because they've never actually done it, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I think at the same time, also, I, I probably tell you a little too many, you know, these nuts jokes and things like that. I'm like a little ten year old sometimes, so that's probably another reason.
0: Matt, so what are the things just being around you for a short period of time? Love the fact that you wear orange, so anybody watching the replay will see this guy is orange is like his deal. And what I would like to know, and I know there's probably a story behind it you mentioned red too with your dad, and then you get to orange. So I'd love to know how red didn't become the dominating color and orange did. That's one question. And then number two, at the event, we were hanging out, we were talking, I love wearing orange shoes, etc. And you said, Hey, that's awesome. And somehow through the way you do it, you got my address, you got my shoe size. And next thing I know, I got a pair of orange shoes show up a couple days later in my office. So just, it's really, really cool the way that a good salesperson, a good business owner, a good friend is always in observation mode of seeing how you can impact somebody with just a gesture. And I believe if you lead with your heart, man, it comes back to you twofold. So thanks again for doing that kind of stuff. Oh, welcome. Uh, red and orange. Let's talk about those colors real quick. The red Jeep
1: was just the first car. So where orange came from, I honestly can't say. I think something finds you. Things find you. Some things are ingrained in you that, you know, I'm a vibrant person. I'm a positive person. Probably the only time I've lost my cool in the past two years was about a month ago on my wife and a a conversation in our kitchen. And I lost my cool because she wouldn't quit being negative about something stupid. I'm a person like, you know what? Like if I have a beautiful sports car sitting outside the office, if if a truck ran into it right now and just destroyed it, I'd go pretty funny. Car got destroyed. It wouldn't bother me. I don't care. And I think probably the orange attracted me because I've always been a positive person. You know, I'm not a half glass, half full, half empty. I'm a, the the glass is full. You just didn't, don't know it yet. And so, what happened with the orange was like where it completely came from, I don't know, but where the wearing it came from was from my coach Billy Jean. A guy named Billy Jean out of California, and I had ordered back in 2008 when I 2007 2008 when I started my agency. A buddy of mine Jerry Aerosmith, I said, hey, I want I want golf shirts, khakis and golf shirts. So I'm wearing shorts, whatever. And he got me an orange, white, blue, green, black, I think red. And they all were just Nike golf shirts with Nike logo on one side and mattplatt.com on the other sleeve, my website. And that's what I wore. Well, at some point through that time, I must have accumulated more orange than anything else. Because I look now, there's like seven orange shirts in the closet, these golf shirts, and all the other ones are still in there. And so what happened was I've always been a video. In the last three years, I've been hardcore in a video. And so a couple years ago, I had this habit where on Mondays and Tuesdays, I would do 50 videos a day and I would batch them out and then we would publish them over the next month. So apparently in all those videos, I had orange shirts just by, because it's one day and it's an odds game. You know, there's 10 shirts and seven of them are orange and three are red, white, blue. Well, I'm at Billy's event in California and he was adamant this one day. He's like, Hey, here's this shirt, wear this tomorrow. Everybody, we're having a photo shoot. Y'all got to have your shirt on. So I listened. He's my coach. I was one of six people he was doing one-to-one with. There's 600 people at this event that aren't. And I'm like, I'm going to listen. I show up and I'm walking in the hallway and I hear this. Hey, I look over and it's Billy like 50 people. I'm like what, what are you wearing? I'm like wearing your shirt? No, no, no. You only wear orange. What are you talking about? And he's like, you only wear orange, dude. I'm like, why do you say that? He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. He goes, look at your YouTube channel. See ya. And he goes, go get your orange shirt on. And so I looked at my YouTube channel. Like Everybody I'm with was like, that's not a purpose? I'm like, what? If I started looking at my videos, and it's literally everything. Orange shirt, orange this, orange that. And so at that point, I just, okay. And he's like, Matt, you got to be known for something. You got to stand out, make something different. Make sure you always wear orange. So I started wearing orange golf shirts. And then what's wild is I started looking at things. My ski outfit that I had had for five years before that is orange. My wife got it because she wanted the kids to see me when we were skiing. In case the I got lost, and then I started look. I mean, literally, the foam roller at my house is orange. The pen in my car, which I got at a trade show on accident, is orange. I just grabbed because I needed a pen. So then I just kind of took it to the next level, and yeah, I've got a belt buckle that's orange. I've got like I don't know six, seven pair of Nikes that are orange. Got orange shirts with my logo, which a lot people think it's a fist, but it's actually MP. I've got T-shirts. It's bizarre. So I just looked at it from a standpoint. I'm trying to get my wife. Wa- my wife doesn't have much decision on my cars because I'm pretty stupid with cars but I've got one that she really, she calls my cars her boyfriend. Mm. So she always has the mom car. I always have the sports car. I'm tr- I want to get my car wrapped orange. And she says, I'm an idiot. She won't let me. So I'm probably going to trade it and buy an orange one. Eventually that's only I'll get an orange one.
0: No, I like it. Uh, I don't think you're an idiot by any means. I think you're a genius. And I love Billy Jean. I love the fact that, you know, he stopped you. I can see Billy doing that too. Like, Hey man, like, Go be you. And that's what makes Billy so unique too, is he does it his way, right? From all those videos and everything. It's he's not trying to copy, he's trying to make it him. And what catches people's attention is like I wear a black hat and a black shirt. People know it's me. I I could be like you on a mountain. Someone go, Oh, there's Matt. I could be walking down a hall and go, There's Tony. I'm six foot six. I wear a black hat. It has my logo on it. People know it's me. So I like that, man. That's a I think people need to find their own path and stop trying to be somebody they're not and become who the person they really want to be. And, and I love the fact that I don't think there's any accidents or coincidences. I think that the whole reason you and I connected, there's a lot of similar threads that are being woven today of just cool pieces that allow us to get to know each other a little bit better here on the podcast. But I do, I do want to talk about something that came up because 99, it was a big year. When did you buy your .com? When did you get mattplatt.com?
1: I have to look back. It was in the early 2000s. So in 99, I was selling radio advertising. That's right. Right. I got out of college. I went, my dad trained me. I had a job interview for a radio station and the interview I had, my first interview, and then I had three weeks before the next one. And so literally I was working in TV at the time as a production assistant. And every night he would come home and for he called it sales school for three hours. He's a hardcore salesperson for three hours. Every night he trained me on how to sell. And I already kind of knew it. I didn't realize it, but he just trained me on how to do things. So I went to this job interview, started selling radio. Well, then about two or three months, I hated it. It took, I ended up loving it, but I was just saying it was brand new to me. Him and I decided, my brother, my brother came back from the Navy. We decided we want going to start an RV dealership, and we wanted to do it online. Just consignment camper sales online. It was a loophole in the state of Kentucky that if you sold a camper through a dealer, there was you no know, sale. The sales tax was different. There was a lot of different things that benefited the buyer and the seller, but dealers weren't doing it. So we started a consignment. Online, like kind of like Auto Trader, but for RVs, but it was consignment. We had no location. Well, that grew to a location within six months. And within four years, we were doing about 15 million a year in sales. And that's how I learned the internet. But at some point back then, I had always been ingrained. A guy named Tom Hopkins, I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but I bought his cassettes in 1999 at an event. Zig Ziglar had, had held an event at the Cincinnati Convention Center called Success Summit. And I went there with my dad. My dad took me. I was in radio at the time. I just started. Hey, my my, my dad went there, myself and my dad. And we go there and at the back of the room. The guy gets off stage like, yo, go buy my kit. And I run back there. like a couple hundred bucks. My dad gave me the money. Under ended a great agreement. I paid him back. And we shared it. And I did. And I listened to these cassettes. And one thing Tom said in a lot of those was own you and your data. Is that you need to build up your – you, like he was a real estate guy. And you need to have your role X, because you don't know where you're going to be next month or next year. And I took that to heart. And some point in the 2000s, I don't remember when it was. Some in the 2000s, I bought matplap.com for the only reason that I could have an email address. I didn't have a website on it for a long time. But I bought it so that people could email me Matt at Matt Plaf. I thought it was pretty cool. And I was telling you a story. that This, this happened in the early – gosh, when was this? It was probably like 8, 9, 10, somewhere the neighborhood. I was playing in a basketball league, and it was an intramural show-up league. You, know, you just showed up, played pickup. Well, there was this guy. That was a beast on the floor. I mean, 6'2", 250, like like a tank, like a fullback in the NFL, I guess you could say. And he was an unbelievable athlete for a big guy. Well, after about two weeks of him playing, like one time he actually came down the lane, did a spin move, hit me. I hit the wall like a cartoon. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I Googled him. Well, he was a former NFL fullback for the Packers, played four years in the NFL. So the next week I come in and I'm like, NFL! And he looks at me all mad. And I'm like, what? And he's like, don't ever mention I played in the NFL to anybody. And I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool. did you played Alabama. I mean, you're a big name. Well, I later found out that he didn't like the fact that he wasn't in the league still. And so he was kind of going through that year or two, like, how am I not in the NFL? He was Brett Favre's fullback. And so Brandon, about a week later, Brandon Googles me. And Brandon comes walking in the arena and he goes, Dot com real loud and everybody looks around like what he's like this fool has a website. They're like, what do you mean he's got a website? He's got a website. What do you mean? Like nobody could grasp that I had a website with my name in it. Like they couldn't understand that like just like Chevy.com, you can know, Matt Flap. And so I don't know what caused me to do it completely, how long it's been there, but you know, ever since probably oh eight, I've marketed it pretty heavy. And since I think 010 I still I redid it and did a blog site and I've got blogs going back to then and just kind of where it came from.
0: So Tom Hopkins said, basically, own your data, right?
1: Yeah, I, and still I mean, to this
0: point. I mean, anybody in network marketing, I think one of the rules that you learn along the way is like, if you transition or leave, you need to build you your brand. You are the brand, right? So I love the fact, Matt, from from even just the, the early days, you're just like, hey man, I'm gonna own a .com. It's gonna be my name. You put it on your shirt, it's orange. Looks like a fist, but really it's an M and a P. All of this stuff teaches me why you been so successful because they say success leaves clues and you come home as a student of the game and your dad's like, all right, so let's go three hours later. You know, he's, he's teaching, he's repping, he's, he's taking. even if you knew some of it, it's called repetition. And you know, if you go to the gym long enough, since you, know, you go do CrossFit or whatever you may do, you know, the more you do it, the better you get. Yeah. What is something that is a challenge to you in the business world that you maybe you're trying to conquer? Like something that, Is big enough of like an opportunity that you're like, that's what I'm working towards, or that's what I'm working on?
1: It's trying to become an intentional leader. I write it down almost every other day now. It's my biggest flaw is that I feel like I'm a good leader because my team and my employees and my friends and the people that I coach in the business see that I do, I practice what I preach. I mean, I drove last night an hour north to go see a client's restaurant opening. I have to go there, but I went. And sure enough, I always preach, go to these events, go to places where your customers are going to be because you'll meet potential customers. Well, sure enough, (laughs) I meet a lady who owns eight locations of the restaurant I was visiting and knows about my program and says, I need to be in your program. Can we meet next week? And I become a customer. So I do what I preach. I want to be an intentional leader. My biggest flaw though, is I'm not structured enough, is that I'm trying to become more of a, I understand now that my, my agency for The longest time I could make good money and had one or two employees and it was easy. Now we're up to 12 people and we're up to hundreds of clients. And I've got to be more intentional with why I lead and how I lead so that it leads somewhere. Because that's my biggest flaw is that somebody asked me this morning, a buddy of mine named Gerard from Virginia Beach messaged me last night. And then I called him today and he said, hey, when you hire, I have a girl named Ashley that works for me, a lady. And he said, when you hired everybody, the joke in my business, the people I coach, I, I need to find an Ashley because they know Ashley is like my right hand. How did you find Ashley? So I called him because he was asking these questions about he's trying to find his Ashley, his words. And I told him, I said, you know, the greatest reason, the reason Ashley has grown so well is that early on, I entrusted in her the ability to do everything. But I basically said, hey, here's a little instruction. Go do it. And if you can't do it, you're fired. If you can't, you're awesome. And she did that. And it worked when there was one person. Now that there's 12 of us and going to be 14 or 16 in the next month and 20 in six months, I've got to put systems in place to lead more intentionally so that I'm not loosey-goosey, I guess you could say.
0: What are some things that you think of that drain you about the business that you run in a whole? Things that drain you, things that maybe you're still stuck doing that you can transition away?
1: Dealing with the clients after they become clients. My biggest asset to the business is that I'm an idea guy. And the more I spend, like today, a guy texts me five times, a customer that's, an average customer, nice guy, but just a negative guy. He should be emailing these questions or our support, but I, he texts me he has my number that takes me away from creating ideas. And so that's one thing I'm trying to get myself out of is out of the day to day. Like one of my goals, I've got a planner here, but I've got my four goals. I've got a coach named Chris Patterson who helps me. And one of my goals on here is what I want every day. Number two, every week I've got it. What am I doing today to make sure I'm doing what I want? not what somebody else wants. I need to build my team to deliver what our customers want, which is great. That's why we exist. But I want my days to be what I want so that I can create better product and lead the company.
0: So being the idea guy, right? Like I live in that boat. If I live in the creation idea, then I have people who help me implement it and make it happen. That's where my sweet spot is. Right. If I'm, if I'm on the phone doing not that I'm above or below any of it, it's just, I know where I, I actually need to live. Right. I'm I'm not a good passenger in a vehicle. I need to be a driver. Right. I need to know (laughs) people don't know where they're going. I'm like, I do let's go.
1: I'm terrible at that. I was yesterday overlooking my assistant who's been with me four months now and I give her a lot of Liberty. She works from home. She actually is a member of the gym I'm at now. I see her here. She sees me maybe in meetings wise, two hours a week. And just yesterday, I'm looking over her shoulder trying to show her something. I had the hardest time not holding the mouse. I was, like, trying to get her to go faster and like, but, yeah, so I'm the just same way. Just get up. I'm Let me drive. Just get yeah, up. exactly. Okay. I, I got to become better at that it is the biggest thing.
0: Well, the cool thing talking to you today, I think there's some just really easy things for anybody listening to when we onboard and when we try to work and help our customers to win we're getting into recording some videos and just having us be the reference point so they can see it. Like, Hey, watch, this is how easy it is to sign up. Here's how easy it is to download. This is where you find it. So I love what you're talking about. Cause it just gives me Intel. What's something that just totally drives you. If, if something drains you is maybe the client after, and then, you know, there's a team around it. I'm not saying clients in general drain you, but there's, there's pieces of that that do what's something that really drives you.
1: I love seeing people have victories based on advice. One thing I'm a big proponent of, we haven't talked about much, so I've got, I've got a program that happened when I wrote my first book on accident. I ended up getting, within 60 days, 100 advertising agencies that joined a program I have on coaching them on how to build a restaurant marketing agency. But one thing I'm hardcore on is video. Tell your story. Get out in the community. Interview. Don't go sell people stuff. Go meet people. And If you're the right fit for them, they'll, they'll resonate with you and they'll become clients. If not, no big deal. And one of the ladies recently had messaged me, uh, Michelle, and I had been hitting on her hard. The, the thing I see a lot of women have, guys, we have no problem being on camera with how we appear a lot of times. Women have that perception that they're not gorgeous, and mo- almost all of them are. And all of them are. And she's one of them. And she kept I had these hangups, but get on video. I kept saying, get on video, get on video. I kept telling her why. Well, finally, she got on video back in December. And her business has blossomed. And she sends me text messages every once in a while like, Matt, you won't believe it, just landed two more clients. Walked into a business to get my hair done. The lady had seen my videos, hired me to do something for her salon. And when I see that the things that, you know, like I see being an intentional leader, I do what I preach. I do 10 to 20 videos a day. I'm live more than I am not live, it seems like. And I do the stuff that I know is going to work. And when I see them doing it and I see their success, I see somebody go from Three grand a month in revenue for their business to six grand or to seven or 10. I got one guy right now, it's a $100,000 a month more than he was a year ago. And I'm like, holy crap, dude. Seeing that that's changed their life and changed the life of their kids and their wife, they can go on a better vacation. That's what really drives me. I I love seeing that because I'm a proponent of that. If you help others get what they want, yours will come.
0: Matt, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, but I kind of want to sum up the conversation. If you're in the middle of listening right now, I want you to take some big takeaways that I heard. The last piece of advice was really, really simple, right? So victories on advice. He loves seeing people win from what he's implementing and helping you to see. I mean, having a customer like Michelle call you up and she's like, you know, what do I do? And you're like, video, and a couple months later she's seeing the results, but a lot of us don't necessarily get that right away. We feel defeated when we don't get a click or a comment. And Sean Stevenson, one of my coaches always says, you know, imagine those were comments or questions and imagine those were passengers on an airplane and they just crashed. You lost one or two today. How would that make you feel? But on the flip side, if you gave one or two people your attention today, what would your business look like? And so I love the simple fact of really looking at it like it just start is like the most important thing Matt's been talking about throughout this conversation is just start like you figure out a lot of the stuff down the road. One day he was a bad student. The next day he was a good student. He just started doing things differently. He saw different results coming his way. Oh, hey, somebody didn't have their homework assignment, let me go, hey, dad, let me cut some articles out of the paper and let me go sell them the next day. And it's like, well, I found a need and I fixed it and I filled it in with something. I love the fact that from being like an average kid to a really intentional kid, because that ties in with the intentional leader Matt is looking to be in all things that he does, building a team from, a couple people to 12 to 14 to 16 and beyond and mentorship. He's mentioned a couple mentors today of really having an impact in his life. He even mentioned being at a conference way back in the late nineties around Zig Ziglar. I mean, so when you think about this, Anybody listening right now and you want to know the secret to success, hang around with successful people, but be willing to put more quarters in the arcade game today when it says, do you want to continue? You got to keep feeding the beast. You got to keep getting to the next level. You're never done. You're just what I like to call the learning curve is getting easier for you. And now you can figure out how to scale faster. And when we return in just a minute with Matt Plapp today, you're going to learn some more intel and insight on going from building a $15 million business in annual sales to his first book, to his Digital Media Solutions, to now working on his second book, here's an inspiring guy that you need to take as many cliff notes as you can from this conversation. It's all going to be transcribed, and you can find it when we return at TonyGrubmeyer.com. Are you ready to break the mold? You know, so many
2: people seem stuck in society, but you're not one of them. If you were, you wouldn't be listening to this. And I know for a fact that right here, right now, inside you, There's greatness. And a great way to help bring that out is the 12-week journey to fulfillment. So head over to BeFulfilledJournal.com and use the coupon code PODCAST and you get a special rate on us. It's our way to say thanks for listening. As well, there's access to a private community of entrepreneurs ready to support you and your business. That's BeFulfilledJournal.com. Looks like Tony's back with a Pellegrino, so let's get back into it.
0: All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled show. Today's special guest, Matt Plapp, and you can check out his .com. Man, way back in the day, the basketball player, former NFL guy, .com. When he got back one day, he's like, what? He's like, yeah, you got a .com. That's the guy we're talking to today. Being innovative and creative, being the guy who would jump in the vehicle and to drive an hour, hour and a half to go see – somebody you work with, their new business, their new restaurant opening up. And a lot of people say, hey man, the guy's already got a couple businesses. Why do I need to go do that? Because you're never done. You're always a student of the game. Matt, I just want to say thank you for just sharing a lot of wisdom today with the group. And my intention for us on the way down of Success Mountain is really for you to maybe take some of the things that you're currently doing that are really successful that people could implement today in their business without needing to do a lot of work even just like your share with Michelle and just recording videos. So really want to invite you for the next 10, 15 minutes. Let's just go down success mountain, cut back where we need to, and really help today the listener to get something that they can take and implement in their life or their business. So what would be
1: something that I would say that do right now? Start chronicling your journey. Start telling your friends and family, your connections on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, YouTube, who you are, what you do, why you do it. think the biggest mistake we make I meet people all the time. I got buddy of mine. I'm not on Facebook. Yeah, he doesn't need to be on Facebook. And he's like, he's got. You know, there's the negative of Facebook, the political stuff, the this, the that. I'm like, Facebook is amazing for me because it allows me to connect with people, thousands of people, whenever I want, and have a conversation and build a relationship. Now, what most people fail to do is they fail to inform people, and that's what happens. Like I had a guy that approached me. This is probably about seven, or eight years ago. Former neighbor. Came to me and said, Matt, I got a question. You're a marketing guy. I need your help. I need some so I need some direction. I said, What's up? And this guy's like a big teddy bear. He's the friend you have that nobody would never not do business with. And he said, I did the numbers. My family has done 17 mortgages with somebody else. And <laughs> I come to me. And I'm like, man, seriously? He's like, yeah. And I said, that bizarre. And I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, if you asked him, no, I'm kind of embarrassed. I, I don't know why they're not doing business with me. I said, well, I, wouldn't. I said, I would I said, promise you, they don't know what you do. Oh, they know. I'm like, oh, I'm telling you, they don't know what you do because you're a teddy bear, man. There's nobody's not doing business with you. Like, I want to get a mortgage now for the hell of it. He, so he goes back. I said, do this. Go back to he has five five siblings. Go back to this one that you're the closest with and have a deep conversation. Well, he goes back and asks me. He's like, oh, we've been doing the mortgage of the guy at Huntington Bank. Because remember when you worked at so-and-so mortgage company, you told us your, your business wasn't really the right place for us to be because you're a chop shop is what he called it back then. So we started, you gave us this guy from Huntington. So every time one of us got a mortgage or a refi, we would all go to this guy. So you told us to go to him. He had never updated him. That yes, seven, eight years ago, that was the case. Now I'm with a legit company. The last five years, you should be doing business with me. And so that's my biggest thing is people, number one, don't know what you do. And if you have Facebook friends, like everybody's got like five, six, 700 Facebook or Instagram connections or LinkedIn connections, they don't know what you do. And then the other aspect of it, they don't know the other side of you. Show people the personal side. If you go to my Matt Platt Facebook page, my business profile is public figures, Matt Platt, the banner isn't me in a suit speaking. It's my daughter and son playing football against each other. And I do videos about them all the time. I constantly showcase that side of me. I showcase the side of me when I lose, when I do something stupid. I did a video today in my agency group about how I have like 10 clients that are in this one part of my company that get invoiced every first of the month. And they almost all pay by the 15th via check. They're local. Well, I looked on my numbers this morning. Not one of them had paid. Huh. I looked. I forgot to invoice them. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so I show every side of me. But what I would tell anybody is get on video. Even if it's my first ever live video, guess how many viewers were on it the entire time I was live, Tony?
0: Zero. Zero.
1: <laughs> it was bizarre. I remember holding the phone. I'm like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, the whole time, like, dumbass. There's nobody watching. But I knew it was where I needed to be. And so have those conversations. Put yourself out there. Be transparent. Tell them your wins, your losses. Showcase the funny side of you, the stupid side, the serious side. Don't sell. That's one thing, too. I had a guy the other day that joined a program I've got. And I asked him why he joined. He goes, Matt, it took me an entire day to find a link for your program. Like your group you've got, your Facebook page, your website, I couldn't find it. And he's like, everything you had was giving content. I'm like, because if you're good enough, they'll find you. You found me. Use video to educate, inform, and create relationships with people because it's it's not going anywhere. It's You go to an airport, go to a restaurant, wherever you go today, your car, at a stoplight, in a restaurant, at your house. When I get home tonight, my daughter and son and wife will be on this thing watching the video.
0: I love that. The world stops today, mattplapp.com. Matt, what would the world say about you? What would they most know you as the person to be? Like who who would you show up in, in the world?
1: If they Googled me, they'd get a lot of content. But I mean, if, if the world ended today and people, I guess, reflected back on who I was, is that what you're asking? Yeah. I, I think 14-year-old in a 42-year-old's body. I'm pretty commonly known, like when I come to the CrossFit class tonight, I'll leave here, go shoot hoops, come back. And I'll probably come in a little too excited with too much hip-hop music blaring. I'll probably come into the parking lot doing 100 miles an hour. And I'll come in here and I'll jump up. And I have a habit. I kick people's hats off their heads. I don't try guys your size because I can't jump that high. But like, if you're six foot two or below, I'll jump up and kick people's hats off their head at random. And like, people are like, what is wrong with this guy? Did you just like drink a case of Mountain Dew? So I think jovial fun. I don't really fit into a box. I don't conform to something, I guess, maybe like what society would expect.
0: Would you call your career more like a Swiss army knife? The one of many talents and facets and figured out how to use it or just a switchblade?
1: Oh, I'd say a Swiss army knife. I mean, I've had the trends. I I tell people all the time it's marketing. I feel like, Oh man, Facebook Messenger's hot now. What are you going to do if it's not in six months? Like Facebook ads didn't exist 10 years ago. I mean, (laughs) I was doing automated fax in 1999 when I was in radio. I mean, I had fax machines don't exist now. It, It comes down to, Gaining attention, using the attention to grow a database, use the database to grow sales. And the Swiss Army knife, I can look back. I actually have a video I've been trying to script out. Like, I don't script much stuff, but I've got this video I want to script that I want to do that tells my journey since 1999 in marketing. Because so many things have changed in the last 20 years. There's so many people like, oh man, what happens if Facebook goes away tomorrow? What happens if Twitter goes away? What happens to Instagram or YouTube? Or what if the internet, Al Gore pulls the plug and the internet's gone again? None of it existed 10 years ago. None of it existed 15, 20. And so I look at Swiss Army because I'm skilled enough that if I needed to find 10 or 20 ways tomorrow to sell something for a client, I could find it.
0: I like it. could call you Bear Grills. You know, you, you can figure it out. You, you, I'm, I'm going to put you anywhere. You're going to find a way to survive. And I love that. That's a great way to live life. Well, what I want to do is take you into the fulfillment round, give you a chance to play the game. All I really need from you is I am ready and I'll take care of the rest.
2: I'm ready. And now it's time for the Fulfillment Round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannica's. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony,
0: you ready to ask some questions? All right, so Eagle Scout, take us back. Who is your uh, scout leader?
1: My scout leader is my dad, Dwayne Plap Jeff Egbers, and Dick Arnett.
0: How important did those guys instill greatness in you throughout your kind of scout career?
1: Probably, the, honestly, the biggest thing that scouts helped me do from those guys, back when, I don't know if it is now, but when I was in high school, if you were a Boy Scout, you were a dork. If you were in middle school and you were in Boy Scouts, you were the geek, you were the dork. The only reason I wasn't looked at it that way was I also played three sports. So me and Scott Arnett, who our dads were scoutmasters, were both star athletes. And so we were allowed to be Boy Scouts. Anybody else was was, – so that one thing, what that got me to do, it got me to not really give a shit what people thought of me. That's also one of the – like I don't – one thing you'll note about me, like I last night I had two sips of alcohol. I've never drank more than a sip of alcohol. i probably had 20 sips of alcohol my entire life. I don't drink. And one of the reasons I think I don't drink was that I never cared that people in high school, the peer pressure, like, oh, Matt Platt doesn't drink. He's a dork. They don't really give a shit. And I think that's one thing the scouts instilled in me was like, be you, be yourself, do what makes you happy.
0: Well, you know, you're definitely doing it with the orange shirt and just being you and all things that you do. I love the fact that you said probably pulling into the parking lot doing 100 miles an hour. I love the fact that you just are you. I think that's what resonated so much during our time together. You talked about skiing a little bit, and you talked about being just, a, just an athlete, just love maybe the competitive edge, love the fact that you know it's fun to go out there and score touchdowns or hit home runs or shoot threes and just know anytime you're around, it sounds like to me coming into this, you're just up for it. You're just up. Hey, man, life's a game. I'm going to go play it fully. We were talking about inserting quarters to get to the next level when you hit the continue button, but you and your family, you can go anywhere and go skiing. Where would you go that you haven't gone yet? Wow, I've
1: skied a lot of places. I've been pretty fortunate. Where would I go that I haven't gone yet? Probably just like the Swiss Alps. I've not been over that side of the world. Cool. I've been to a uh, lot of places in Canada, kicking horse, BAM, British Columbia, Alberta, all those places. I mean, it's, I would have to say like maybe the Alps or something like that.
0: Snowboard. What type of snowboard do you use?
1: My buddies. So I ski, but we switch occasionally. I want to snowboard, but here's the problem. I have one buddy I go every year with for about nine days. There's four or five of us to go, but him and I are the constant. And we're both the same skill. We can both ski the rocks and trees on black diamonds down the bowl. We both do some pretty cool stuff. I can't do it on a snowboard. I can ski average stuff on a snowboard. Or I, guess ski. I can snowboard on average stuff. And he gives me crap every year. When are you going to get a board and start board? I'm like, dude, it will take me two years to get back to that bowl on the back of Whistler Blackcomb on a snowboard. I'm not taking two years off. <laughs> and so always be a skier for that reason until maybe if I ever move out west or I go somewhere where I can do it for a month at a time, then I'll be able to transition. But I'm a skier at heart and I usually ski, head. I've got heads myself. I like Rosnall K2, you know, whatever's around.
0: So one of the things that came up to my mind, I love asking this question, it's you and you get four NBA selections to make your five. It's you and four other guys. You get the whole gamut of anybody past or present or maybe you see that somebody declared yesterday for the uh, NBA draft right from Duke you may take him and put him on your team who would your squad of five be
1: okay number one's an easy one I'm sure everybody says this but I I have a reason for this my dad's from Chicago my mom's from North Carolina so you can oh, imagine so I grew Robin.
0: Up. totally get it yeah, Dennis. <laughs> well, Robin.
1: what what's funny so Jordan number one Dennis Robbins my second one I've read a couple of his books. I touched him in Vegas. I stood next to him and like bumped him. And he looked at me weird, we were like, there's this little white guy bumping me. But Rodman, just because he he brought it. I loved his passion. I loved how stupid he was. I loved his, just, uh, there's some stories I can probably, I've read that I couldn't say on here that are crazy about him. But I loved who he was. Let's see, my next two after that. I would say one that is different was a guy named Kenneth Fareed because he went to Moorhead State where I went. He plays, I think, for the New Jersey Nets now. He played for Utah Jazz for a while. Just because he went to Moorhead, he's the only guy from Moorhead to ever go in the NBA. And he still plays. He's like a little jelly bean jumping everywhere. So I'd say him. And then probably the next one would be Steve Kerr, because the stories I read about Steve Kerr and how he was just such a hardcore practice guy with Jordan. Like, I don't know if you've read the stories, like how Jordan and him would just kill each other. You know, I can appreciate if somebody went bad head to head with a guy that was just insane with how he practiced. I can appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I don't want to talk to him today how they lost a 31 point game last night. <laughs>
1: last night, I saw that.
0: Kerr's one of my favorite. I've always loved him. I love the fact that you just mentioned some really phenomenal champions. Three of them. All those people are people who have been coached by the best. Everybody knows Phil Jackson. But before there was Phil, they had a really amazing NBA great player coach him as well. But what you mentioned is that all of those people had to get to the next level in their career. I mean, Jordan wasn't the best basketball player when he started out. He got better with help, right? Kerr, small little white guy running around the court. Not the best, but the guy who put in the best time onto the court, stayed late, came early. I mean, he's the coach of the Warriors, somebody that I really look at. I I saw him not too long ago at an NBA game here in Denver, and, and it was weird. It was the weirdest feeling I've ever had in my life. He walked by and I said, hey, what's up? And he didn't know who the hell I was. And he just kept walking. I'm like, but I watched you play your entire, in my head, my wife and I are saying, I'm like, I watched that guy play his career. Why doesn't he know me? I know him. I know everything about him. I just think that's what's cool about watching sports is you begin like this last weekend with Tiger or whatnot. You, you feel something for these people you feel. Yeah. And the people you mentioned, Dennis Robin was one of the best. I mean, hands down, cause you to be frustrated, whatever. But he was going to say, man, I'll get to the other end as fast as I can. He's got a fascinating story too.
1: Oh yeah. Unbelievable. I've, I've studied, I've read some books on the dude is just, he's a science project.
0: Well, Matt, I just want to say thank you for taking us through the fulfillment round. You, you mentioned a lot of just amazing, amazing people. You talked about, from Hopkins to Patterson to Billy Jean to Zig Ziglar, your dad, scout leaders. The thing that I'm left with today is what you started your journey with me today up Success Mountain was really for you just being a better husband and a father and then tying in that intentional leader. It sums up, I think, who you are, at least in my eyes, and how you show up in this world Your word is your everything. So it matters if you tell somebody to do something, it's because you're doing it too. It's not like, hey, go do this and you're going to be over here not doing it. You're putting in the work. Definitely love the fact that you're unemployable because I think it would be hard to have you as an employee because you probably would piss off everybody because they're not doing it the right way, which is your way, meaning it's not getting done fast enough. I love the fact that from the restaurants, which we didn't really talk a lot about because there's a reason for it. Anybody who wants to learn Matt's story and get to know him, I invite my listeners to go dig and do the research. Matt came today with a a wide story and your job is if you're interested in what Matt does, you want to learn more about how he's so successful and how he's been able to do what he does and his attitude of being the orange crush is go check out mattplap.com and really spend the time digging because he's a value guy. He's not selling, he's sharing. And that's the key to success. And marketing is really making somebody see for themselves. Hey man, I need that. That guy is what I want to model myself after. So thank you for coming on today and just being transparent, sharing. I love the successes. I, I love the stories. I love The fact that you're always inventing yourself, you're never staying stagnant, like, you know, faxing has died, but yet today instant messenger is alive and you're showing people, it doesn't matter what the game is. I'm going to adapt and change. So I want to say thank you for that.
1: I appreciate uh, your kind words, appreciate the opportunity to tell my story. And, you know, I love having conversations like this. I feel like you said, we surround ourselves with the right people. you'll, you'll You'll have the right success down the road.
0: Well, Matt, that is the wraps of the Be Fulfilled show. But one question for you, I'm going to leave with this, and then we're going to close the show. Your wife. Tell me a story when you met your wife. Tell me me a fun story you can share today about the first time you met your wife.
1: So I met my wife. We were both injured athletes. I had a bad habit of putting my head down on the football field. I was a safe forehead. And she had apparently run over a girl, and she was a, a control freak. That was all-state athlete, basketball, volleyball, softball. And she was in center field. And she didn't think the girl in right field was going to catch the ball. So she ran her over and caught it for her. So we were both injured athletes. And we were getting treated. And my buddy on the football team was hitting on her pretty hard. And he was literally like, you talk about, I'm not being mean. but Tom was not a good-looking dude. And just kept hitting on her really bad. And she said one day in the training, she goes, Matt, you got to be a of What? Tell Tom we're dating. I, he, he won't leave me alone. If you tell him we're dating, he'll leave me alone. And so I was like, hey, Tom, bro, you know, Christy and I are dating. He's like, oh, man, my bad, bro. I'm back off. Well, so then that night in study hall, her friend was like, hey, Christy actually kind of likes you. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So we went on a date. Well, our first date, she actually ended up back at my dorm room with her friend. And we're in the room having a conversation. I just being a dumbass? And I don't know if I did it on purpose or what. But I had a phone call from my girl, a girl I was friends with back home. So I made a date with Jenny, not realizing Christy is in front of me. who had just kind of had this first little date with me. We went to Mr. Gaddy's and she had, I make a date with Jenny on the phone and she acts like she misthrows this football she got at Gaddy's to to her friend and she intentionally hits me square in the face with it. And later on, I learned that she was so mad that I made a date with that girl in front of her that she was gonna make me realize I was a jackass. And so she hit me with this football. Well, then our next date, I actually broke the. I didn't ever went out with Jenny. I came back, went with Christy. and in our first our official date at Mr. Gaddy's on campus, she intentionally spilled Mountain Dew on me. And then we eventually became boyfriend girlfriend. Got engaged a few years later. That was we. This is our. This August will be our twentieth anniversary we're married, but we've been Another twenty four years. We started being dating. We were at a football party on September eleventh, nineteen ninety nine. Is that not No, no, nineteen ninety five. And we're at a football party and this guy, Alan McPherson, it was his house. He had rented he had like six linemen that lived there. We all had football parties there. And he's like, Hey, who, who all's there? like, mean, Oh, I'm here. So-and-so's here. He's here. Plap and plaps girl. And she looked at me and she always, she always cracks up because she, she looked at me and she goes, Oh, I like the sound of that. And I said, do you want to be a plaps girl? She said, yeah. And we became boyfriend, girlfriend.
0: Man, I, the reason I asked that story is when you were talking today about wanting to be a better husband and a father and an intentional leader love is that everything you do, I can see it, I can hear it and I can feel it. You love what you do. You love helping people. You love leaving an impact on the world. So I just wanted to hear a little story because I always think it's really cool. We take away from our busyness and we get back to what really life is, is just trying to figure out how to have fun and spend it with people that we really love and care about. And you did that today. So thank you very much. I yeah, appreciate it. All right, guys. That is Matt Plapp. You can go check him out, the original.com way back in the day, MattPlapp.com. My name is Tony Grubmeier. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeier.com.